to the book of James, chapter 3. We'll read verse 13 to verse 18. That's a passage we'll be meditating on this afternoon, even as we prepare our hearts to come together to break bread and to drink of the cup. James chapter 3, and I commence reading from verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vow practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We continue in our journey through the book of James. And last Lord's Day evening, we had begun looking at chapter 3 of James, and we dealt with the first 12 verses of, the, of that chapter. And we underscored that true faith controls its time. True faith controls its time. And, and we saw the, the sincere uh, admonition that James was giving uh, to those who desire to be teachers, but also in a wider application to all of us who are God's children. And this has been James' uh, effort or James' goal to show us that true faith shows itself in practical godly living. And as he's been dealing with different aspects of the Christian life, he wants to underscore this, this truth, this fact, that the faith that we claim to possess will show itself in practical godly living, be it good works, be it in counting it all joy whenever I go through trials of various kinds, be it in, in, in showing, uh, uh, not showing partiality rather. And James's concern is that our faith must not just only be in deeds, but rather in words, but in in deeds. And this afternoon we be looking at verse 13 to 18. And, and this passage is, is, is a natural outgrowth of the discussion of the tongue that James began looking at in verse 1 and verse 2 of that particular chapter. And these six verses divide themselves into three sections. The first 
is verse 13, which is really a test of wisdom. And then verse 14 to 16, he deals with the false wisdom, or wisdom that is earthly. And then verse 17 and 18, he now deals with true wisdom. That is wisdom that is from above. And these verses elaborate the basic truth that we've been dealing with in this chapter. And that is, the tongue is the instrument whereby the spirit of the inner man is revealed. The tongue is the instrument by which the true you is revealed by the use of the tongue. And the use of the tongue manifests the nature of the spirit that is in you or the nature of the spirit that is controlling the person. And James is saying it's easy to see what kind of wisdom is controlling that tongue, whether it's wisdom from above or it's wisdom from the earth or earthly wisdom. He's basically saying your words will determine the controlling wisdom behind your words. What is the wisdom that is controlling your tongue? And this is what he's, he's dealing with in this passage. And yes, he, he, he has in his mind the teachers that he spoke about in verse 1 and verse 2, but it's also a, applicable to God's people. And James wants us that in our walk with God we must exhibit the wisdom from above by the use of our tongues. And so we'll open up that passage and draw lessons. The first as I've indicated or already said it's it's a test of wisdom. The test of wisdom, verse, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show this, his works in the meekness of wisdom. And in that verse, James is really giving a test of wisdom. And he's addressing a person who is wise and understanding. And the word for wise, or the word used for wise, was the technical term that was used to refer to teachers, scribes, or rabbis. Because it was believed that those who genuinely were called to teach possessed some level of wisdom. And one who was indwelled by the Holy Spirit even possessed the wisdom from above. And it appears that James, as I've said, is still talking about the teachers to those who will be teachers. And here, he is not just concerned with what they say, but rather 
how they live. That's his concern. And so he's asking the question, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of rather in the meekness of wisdom. And he's saying it is one thing to say something or to teach, but it's another to show by your conduct that you adhere and believe what you teach. And that's why James is concerned about this. He wants the teachers and all of us as God's people to show by our conduct the wisdom we claim to possess. The two adjectives, wisdom and understanding, are used together only here in the New Testament. This is the only time where in the New Testament both wise and understanding are used in one sentence or verse. But when you read in the Old Testament, like in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 13, with being wise and understanding was the needed qualification of tribal judges in Israel. So when you read there, the tribal judges in Israel were to be wise and understanding. And when you now read in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6, and then in Hosea, or Hosea chapter 14 and verse 9, they, they are united as desired virtues that must be in God's people. So God's people must be wise and must be understanding. And this must be seen not only in their words, but also in their conduct. And so in James, in his typical fashion, he, he, he sort of puts a trap or he puts a caveat, as it were, and then he lets it loose so that anyone who hears or his audience may reflect and examine themselves. And so you see in verse 13, and the first part, he says, Who is wise among you? And perhaps. There were some who would say, look, I'm, I'm wise. I'm understanding. And I'm glad that you are able to recognize my gifts of teaching. But James doesn't just end there. He comes in in his straightforward address or straightforward style. And sort of now let loose his trap. And he said, yeah, if you claim to be wise by your good conduct, show your works in meekness of wisdom. 
And his best friend saying, it is easy to claim to be wise. It is easy to claim that what you are saying is wisdom from above after many years of studying God's word. But James is saying, show me your wisdom by your life. And if you say God exists, let me see it by the way you live, by the way you conduct yourself. If you say God says I must be patient, let me see it in your life. That's what James is concerned about. And he says by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of gentleness. Now the word that he uses there, meekness, is often translated uh, as gentleness. Uh, it, um, some of your vision who say, let him show by the works in the gentleness of his wisdom. And the, the challenge with the English word meekness is that it sort of gives a, 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 a wrong picture of what James is, is trying to address. Because for most of us, meekness and gentleness gives a picture of a man or, or a Christian who is mild, weak, who is always nice. That's a picture that immediately comes uh, to our minds. But, but the Greek word that is used, that is translated gentleness or meekness, has the idea of strength under control. Strength under control. And it was a term, as I said when we were in chapter 1, it was a term that was used it was a word that was used of a tamed, a tamed wild animal or a, a horse, which is so powerful but submissive to its master. It was often talked of Alexander the Great that his horse was meek. It was so powerful, so strong, yet submissive to its master. And so when James is talking about meekness of wisdom, basically saying a meek person may be very strong but at the same time completely under submission to God. And Moses is described as the meekest man on earth when you read Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Yet Moses was a very strong leader. He was able to command the nation and he commanded the, he had respect among them, but yet he had his strength under control. The Lord Jesus Christ also refers to himself as meek when we read in, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29. And yet he was powerful. Confronted the religious leaders of his day. 
He was able to, to drive the, the, the money changers out of the temple. And so what James is really saying is that a wise person is, is one who is gentle, is one who is meek, and this shows itself in the way he conducts himself. He's got his strength under control. Where he needs to be firm and fair, he will be. But he does it with a gentleness which can only come as a result of the Spirit of God in that particular person. And James is saying, test whether I are truly wise. Are you living your words in the meekness of wisdom? Are you living out what you believe in your day-to-day -day life? Wherever you are, whatever situation you are found in, is your knowledge of the scriptures seen in the way that you outwardly conduct yourself? And true wisdom is based on knowledge. But it is more than just mere knowledge. It is the ability to live in a manner pleasing to God. The ability to live in a manner pleasing to God because you've come to understand the truth of God's word and you live in constant submission to his spirit applying that truth to all of life. And this is the test of wisdom that James gives. Is anyone wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And this is a test to all of us. Are we applying the knowledge that we've gained from God's word in a manner that is pleasing to God? That's the test of wisdom. The second thing he highlights is false wisdom. False wisdom. Verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vow practice. Having given us the test of wisdom, he now moves to highlight what false wisdom is or looks like, or wisdom that is earthly. And James is saying this wisdom that is earthly or that is false is, is based on man's 
objectives, man's understanding, man's standard. It's not from above. It's what man thinks things ought to be or things the way they ought to be. And he says the words that come from the mouth of an individual will show what kind of wisdom resides inside of them and therefore what kind of wisdom <coughs> is controlling that tongue. And he says if, if this, if he said, if it is characterized by bitterness or bitter jealousy and selfish ambi ambition, then that wisdom is false. However sincere it might be, it's false wisdom, it's earthly wisdom, it's unspiritual, it is demonic. And the conditional form or statement that he puts, but if you, if you have James softens the statement of this sad picture, but still as stating and assuming that the reality of such wisdom is very much in their midst. He's basically talking about the state of affairs amongst them. And James is saying that the situation is not only present, but it is something that is being nurtured. And it's hiding in the pretense of wisdom. And he says, but if you have bitter jealousy, other version will use bitter envy. The noun that is used for jealousy or envy is from, from the Greek word zilon, where we get the English word zealous. Now, just a, just a quick bit of lesson uh, in Greek. For those of you who are Greek scholars or who understand a bit, you know that this word that James uses Zilon in Greek is in the neuter, neuter case, meaning it can have either a bad or a good sense. It's neuter. In Greek, you have masculine and feminine, and all these cases who try to drive something to us or to communicate something to us. But when it is in the neuter case, it is it is it can be used in the bad sense or it can use in the good sense so what determines the direction is the context in which it's being used so in this case james uses it in a bad sense and that bad sense is strengthened by the adjective that he uses which is bitter jealousy and because he's using bitter jealousy, therefore, it's not zeal in a good sense, but it's zeal in the bad sense. And since the reference that James is giving us is religiously motivated, some old version used the word bitter zeal. 
and which would, is the, the, be, the rendering I prefer. Bitter zeal rather than bitter jealousy or bitter envy. And, and, and what James is really saying is this. Religious zeal for God and his truth is commendable. It's a commendable attitude. But because of the traces and indwelling of sin in all of us, zeal for God can easily turn into resentment against those who do not express the devotion to God and to his truth in a way and manner in which we ourselves do it. And James is saying this can easily turn into resentment against those who perhaps will express the same truth but differently from the way that you do it. And James is saying that if you are filled with bitter jealousy, it doesn't matter how sincere you are, because of this bitterness, then that wisdom is not from above. And the connotation of religious zeal is consistent with the second element that James highlights, bringing the attitude, or rather the evil attitude that he's talking about. And that is selfish ambition. There is bitter jealousy, but there's also selfish ambition. And James again highlights that this bitterness and this selfish ambition clearly shows that this wisdom is not from above. The term self selfish ambition gives the idea of one who for personal advantage works to promote a definite cause in an unethical manner. You want to promote a definite cause but you are going about it in an unethical manner. And it, it, it highlights a willingness to use unworthy and de, 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 divisive means to promote one's own views or interest. And James is saying, because of bitterness and, 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 and selfish ambitions, which is in your hearts, that's the, the seat of this all. It's not from without, it's from within. Because of these things in your heart, you are damaging the Christian fellowship in, a, in, in the cover of promoting wisdom that is from God. And James reminds his audience and all of us but no loud and fake claims 
to the possession of wisdom can profit anyone while out of the heart proceeding evil things. You can explain the truth of the scriptures. You can highlight and show what the Bible teaches. And you might even be correct. But if all this is dotted by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, James is saying, don't boast. But what you are actually doing in reality is that you are being forced to the truth of God's word. Because God's word clearly shows us that we must not do anything out of personal and selfish ambitions. All of us must seek the good of the other. And we must be patient and gentle with one another. And this is the true wisdom. It shows that you are emulating the Lord Jesus Christ, who was wise, but was patient, and he knew how to deal with others. And the conclusion that James gives is that such wisdom is not from above. Such wisdom is earthly, it's unspiritual, and he says it is demonic. And that's why the outcome of such is disorder, as we see there. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. And every vow practice. Bitterness or bitter jealousy and selfish ambition promotes chaotic. lifestyles among God's people. That's all it does. Instead of bearing with one another, patiently working out issues with one another, because it's demonic and unspiritual, as James points it out to us, the result is disorder disunit and every vow practice and brethren any wisdom devoid of meekness is not from above any wisdom producing jealousy selfish ambition bitter conflict is not from God it is false, and we, we must recognize it as such. Because it produces disorder. It's bound to break the fellowship of God's people. It's bound to break the unity among God's people. Because everyone is pursuing their own interests, their own ambitions. 
Everyone is filled with bitter jealousy against one another. And therefore, instead of uniting as one, praying together in the bonds of love, there's disunity. There's no fellowship. And James is saying, such cannot be wisdom. That is from God. But it can only be that is demonic. That is unspiritual. That is earthly. And if you want to test what true wisdom is, we must ask ourselves, am I doing this out of selfish ambition? Am I doing this out of bitter jealousy? And if that's what I'm, if that is my attitude, I am being, I am not being true to God's word. And therefore, I'm not reflecting the wisdom that is from above. And quickly, true wisdom, we will write a few things there and you dwell in it, the Lord willing, the next time we meet next Sunday. True wisdom, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace, by those who make peace. James now skillfully gives us the characteristic of wis- characteristics and the fruit of wisdom that God gives. And this is true wisdom. And James, first of all, wants us to see, even before we dive into all these the characteristics that he gives is to recognize that the source of this wisdom is from above. And this is in line with Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 where the Bible reads, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so James wants us to to be clear in our mind But this wisdom that is true is wisdom that is from above. And this is the wisdom that is able to bear with one another, to be peaceable, gentle, open to reason, but also to show mercy and good fruits of mercy. And we must seek this wisdom. And we can only attain this wisdom by seeking God and the truth of his word. This wisdom is God-given. And James hints that the wisdom is not earthly but from above. And throughout the book of James, 
he he's shown us that the wisdom he has in mind is the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 2 verse 1 he talks about the Lord of, of, of glory. And Jesus is the one who came from above. He is the wisdom of God as we are told in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. And he became to us wisdom as we are told uh, of, of, uh, by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. And James has also emphasized in chapter 1 verse 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. And now here he's also saying that true wisdom is from above. And when you summarize everything he's saying, he's basically saying James who is the the, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to know that the wisdom he's talking about is Jesus Christ. And if we truly have Jesus Christ in our lives, then we have the wisdom that is from above. But we must grow in, in, in our expression of this wisdom as we daily invest our time in prayer, in reading God's word, and in following into the steps and the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures are the depository in which we learn wisdom from above. And as we read the scriptures and receive them with meekness, the word that is implanted in us grows and we discover the wonder and the beauty of our salvation. And this is why when you read verse 17 and 18, when James realizes or show, wants us to see that the wisdom he's talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ and his his mind just opens with the descriptions of true wisdom. It's like his mind is flooded and it just begins to flow and he gives us his picture of wisdom and he's saying it's peaceable, it's pure, it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the fruit of it all is a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who, are, who make peace. And when you look at all these, these are true of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a peace-loving person. He was gentle and lowly. Full of mercy and good fruits, a man of peace. And as he taught us in the, on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will receive peace. And James is saying this is true wisdom. This is true wisdom. Having Christ and living the life of Christ in our day-to-day -day as, as we 
relate one with the other. And it is this true wisdom that helps us to live cordially with one another. Because there's no selfishness. There's no bitter jealousy. There's no selfish ambition. We are treating one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank God for their gifts. We praise God for their achievements. And we don't use the Bible to attack others and to justify ourselves. And James wants us to apply godly wisdom in our relationship with one another. Is there peace in your life? Is there peace in your home? Are you at peace with your fellow believers? If you are not at peace, you need to check yourself. Is it because of bitter jealousy, selfish ambitions? Or is it simply an absence of salvation in your life? But true wisdom that comes from above seeks to unite God's people because it seeks to make peace open to reason and willing bear with one another and to think good of the others. And for us, we have the true wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became to us the wisdom of God. He lived a life of genuine love directed by divine wisdom. And in him is all wisdom. And as we come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we really need to ask ourselves the question, do I have the wisdom of God? Is Christ in me? Because Christ is wisdom personified. Wisdom lived out. Wisdom in the flesh. And if your heart is full of bitter envy, selfish interest, before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, pause and repent of that. So that as you come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you will be saying with the rest of God's people, we are one body. We belong to one God. We have the same ambition, the same desires. And if God chooses to elevate my brother, my sister above me, I will bow in worship to God and glorify him. For such 
a gift for such grace upon the life of my sister or my brother. And together we will serve God as one body. Because Christ, the wisdom of God, is my God, is your God, is our God. And so as we come to eat and break bread together, let us remember that the wisdom that comes from above is not jealous, is not self-centered, but it's open to reason and it loves peace and it's gentle. And Christ, who died for our sins, exhibited and showed us all these virtues. Let's pray together. Father, we do realize that oftentimes we, we, be, we, we betray our professional faith because we fail to control our, our tongues and what we say reveal the wisdom controlling our tongue. Father, we ask and pray in solidarity that you forgive us of our sins. In those times we failed to tame the tongue, in those moments we failed to exhibit wisdom from above, in those moments when we've been bitter with one another. We ask, O oh God, that you help us to emulate and live the life of your son, Jesus Christ. We do acknowledge that this is not possible in the flesh, but it's possible in the spirit, and you have given us your spirit. He lives in us. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to his leading and to grow in our walk with you as we read the scriptures which are the depository of your wisdom. We will be shortly commemorating the death of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was wise, meek, gentle, and peace-loving. He showed us all, Lord, how to love one another. And he said, by this the world will know that we are your disciples if we have love one for the other. And our Father, we ask that help each one of us to examine our hearts before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup so that we do not call upon ourselves judgment. But also pray that may you help us to eat of the bread and drink of the cup with grateful hearts for your salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. You died and rose again. And as we 
relieve the memories of what it's cost our dear Savior to accomplish our salvation. May our, our hearts melt in tears at this because of your holiness, but also may our hearts rejoice because your wrath, the wrath of God, has been satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our God. So may you bless our time together for Jesus' sake.